Golden Crystal, Chapter 5 The head thumped onto the stone slabs and rolled over until the bloodied stump was pointed at Song. She dragged her eyes away as soon as her morbid curiosity would allow, but the sight of muscles tensing beneath siphoning blood was seared into her vision. It took all she had to refrain from throwing her shackles into the executioner's face and drawing her concealed blade. Stealing her resolve, Song had to believe it was possible to talk her way out of this mess before resorting to violence. There was no other option left to her, really. The likelihood of her survival was slim should it come to a head-on fight with a cohort of trained guards. Right, who's next? The justice mused to herself as she looked over her papers, subtly champing about her toffee. She scratched a few notes, turned a few pages, and seemed to settle on a case that took her fancy. She didn't, however, announce to the doomed prisoners which one of them it would be. The rising tension obviously pleased her. The broad executioner set his sword back on the wooden table while the two guardsmen hauled the lifeless body out the door. That explained the blood-streaked floors, at least. He retrieved the severed head and held it carefully in both hands, raising it to his eye for closer inspection. Gently, he rubbed the scalp where it had collided with the stone slabs, brushed a little dirt away, then tussled the hair to hide the dent. The fleshy stump squelched on the splintered wood as he balanced it on the table. Though the head was now completely devoid of any drunken semblance of life, Song felt that such a brusque end was unfair, and the thought of splinters in exposed flesh sent a shudder through her. Only quite finished, Baraldus. The justice cast a withering look in the executioner's direction. Do you not recollect my dinner plans and my desire not to be late? Sorry, Your Honour. Baraldus had a gruff voice to suit his brutal profession. He dipped his head and shoulders like a beaten dog nonetheless. I'm ready. He hurriedly retrieved a wicker basket and set it before the chopping block to catch any further errant limbs. So, the justice continued, pausing one final time until the executioner had returned to his position. Young Errol, will you step forward, please? Have mercy, I beg you! The shackled guardsman tried to run, but Collie's hands were faster. There was no escape from such a sure grip. Song made a mental note to appear complicit as the drunkard had. I didn't mean to do it! But you did do it, no? The Chief Justice leaned forward, a sweet little smile breaking across her pursed lips. Is that an admission of guilt? Can we hurry things along, then? Please, I don't deserve this! sobbed the shackled guardsman, while desperately kicking at his captor. Collie was unperturbed, and had Errol wrestled into submission, and marched before the justice's podium in moments. I was just doing my duty! Oh, I know, but you were doing it very poorly, the justice leafed over a piece of paper. It says here you fired your pistol into a crowd... In the middle of the market, no less. It appears you popped a young gentleman's head like a grape. We can't let things like this go unpunished. The guard have a reputation to uphold. Besides, you didn't even get your man. I did, if that makes any difference. The shackled guard twisted in Collie's grip and turned wild eyes on Song. A black ringlet fell from the knot on top of his head and dangled in front of his eyes. That's the thief. That must change things. I made a mistake, but it wasn't in vain. Thief? The Chief Justice scoffed, shuffling her papers again. She's no thief. It says here in black and cream. 
She held up the road-dusted parchment. It reads, <clears throat> I, Ultimus Finchley, hereby detain this woman as a husband slayer, etc. She's far beyond a petty thief. Consider your story before blurting the first thing that comes to your mind next time. The justice slapped the paper back onto her desk and swiftly picked up her gavel. So, do you have anything true to say here before your sentencing? I... I... The guard stumbled over his words. It was her. I tried to shoot her. I missed. I, I didn't mean to do it. I know I have a debt for what I've done, but please, I'll play with anything except my life. Oh, very compelling, Mr. Errol. She fanned at her eyes with the stack of papers. You should have maybe gone into acting, or perhaps the circus with your talents. I suspect a life amongst the guard was a mistake for you. Perhaps you can rectify that after today. The shackled guard took a deep breath. Song was instantly seething with jealousy. She wanted to somehow speak up and join in his success. Her story was intertwined with his, after all, and perhaps if he could garner a pardon, then so could she. It was what she had been fixating on ever since she had been captured while the snivelling wreck had just stumbled into one by accident. She was almost compelled to damn him, so that he wouldn't be allowed a freedom that she wasn't party to, but kept her mouth shut. You could be the great headless juggler, the Chief Justice continued. At the circus, I mean. Such a spectacle would draw a crowd from far and wide. No, please! Errol began to struggle, but he was still no match for Collie's iron grip. Something else, please, cut off my hand, send me to a work camp, anything! Oh, shut him up, Baraldas! The executioner strode forwards and grabbed the shackled guard by the scruff of the neck dragging him off his feet and out of Collie's care. He then strode back to his block, barely showing any signs of exertion, and bashed Errol's head against the side. While the shackled guardsman had been struggling before, albeit fruitlessly, when his head was cracked, his body fell quite limp. He wasn't unconscious, just dazed. Had he enough time, his jelly fingers might have found enough purchase to push him to his feet. Beraldus was quite the sprightly man, despite his squat appearance. No sooner than he had released Errol onto the block, he had retrieved a hand-axe from his table and returned with it raised and gleaming. This kill wasn't as clean or economical as the first, not through any lack of skill on the executioner's part, but because the axe blade was designed for chopping fingers and had been narrowed for that purpose. In fact, the width of the blade might have only amounted to a quarter of Errol's neck. What followed was a bloody display as the executioner hacked away like a lumberjack on a particularly stubborn and elderly tree. Song closed her eyes, but her ears lacked any similar function. Every wet thump made her flinch as the executioner did his work. Any screams were cut short by a well-placed strike across the windpipe, but the watery exhalations of Errol's dying breath were enough to make Song sick. Her empty stomach prevented anything more than a painful wretch. Thank you, Baraldus, very enthusiastic. The Chief Justice chewed toffee between each word, like a foul continuation of the brutal murder. Let's move on quickly, shall we? Song couldn't witness another death like that. Though she knew that was the fate the Justice intended for her too, she couldn't bear the waiting. She needed to get this whole sordid affair over with, for good or ill. Let's see now. The justice touched a finger to her lips, then pointed to the old man. 
There's a few details lacking in your report. I'd like you to explain yourself and why you... No, Song interrupted, the tension forcing her a step forward. Do me next. You're an eager one, the justice appraised Song again with a grimace, holding her gaze for entirely too long. She clasped her hands together and leaned forwards, stroking her chin with both thumbs, eyes roving up and down Song with a fresh scorn. I suppose you're still in shock to be caught and killed on the same day. You're lucky, really. They say stewing in the cells is the worst part. Song held the justice's gaze, feeling that if she looked away or even blinked, she would have lost a silent battle of wills. When eventually the justice looked away to retrieve another toffee from Collie's pilfered bag, it didn't feel like much of a victory. More likely, it was only Song who had been trying in the first place. That's too superficial damage now. Baraldus grunted, spitting phlegm into the wicker basket as he picked up the dead guard's head. Bloody shame, that. He placed the head beside the first one on the table and set the gory axe beside it. I'll grant your wish, the justice held up a cube of toffee. These things really have put me in a good mood. So, you have been accused of maritocide. That means you killed your husband, but you know that, don't you? I know what I've been accused of. And I'm innocent. Song moved before the justice's plinth, giving Collie no reason to grapple her. I was in there to buy this cloak. She rolled her shoulders to jostle the fabric into movement, but kept her wrists firmly in place. She didn't want to risk the shackles falling off just yet. The door thumped as the guards wrestled the second headless body through the narrow gap. When no shopkeeper came out to greet me, Song continued, I looked behind the counter for him. Did you really? The justice rocked back on her chair, the vast bush of curls atop her head similarly tipping back. It almost looked as if the wig atop it all might fall off, but it was held in place with robust pins. Well, it says here in Ultimus's report that you told him you were the pawnbroker's wife. I did, Song nodded. But I was scared. I didn't want him to think I was back there stealing or anything. I know the punishments well enough. You'll become very intimate with them soon, I assure you of that, smirked the justice. But I very much doubt you're the timid sort. You volunteer to die first, after all. So, I'd like to pass your sentence without further delay. Dinner plans and all that. I didn't kill him. I think the syndicates got him for not paying his protection rights. Believable, but ultimately you're just wasting all our time. The justice stopped leaning back on her chair and snatched up her gavel. I'm sentencing you to death, so you'll just have to suck it up and deal with it, all right? Protestations crowded in her throat. Perhaps confessing her theft and admitting that Errol's story had been true might reduce her sentence to the loss of a hand. That boy, Fingers, he didn't seem to find it too debilitating. Collie's presence at her back gave her pause. An outburst would find her in his vice-like grip. So be it, she nodded somberly, and paced steadily towards the chopping block. This was it. She was down to her last option, a fight that would most likely result in her death. Collie didn't touch her, but stayed close behind her back. She had noticed before that he had a pistol and a sword at his hip, and even despite both of those, she felt the executioner was the greater threat. Beraldus was quick and brutally strong. She made up her mind and sprang into action. The shackles slipped from her wrist and she caught them in one hand. Spinning around on the spot, 
Using the heavy irons as an impromptu flail, she struck Collie in the face before he had even the wits to realise something was wrong. Something cracked as he tumbled backwards, perhaps his jaw, but she didn't hesitate to confirm. Continuing in her turn, she faced the executioner. He was ready for her now, but he was still without any of his tools or weapons. Song released the shackles, flinging them with all her might. As Beraldus raised his hands to swat the flying irons away, she pressed on. There was a chime of metal as her concealed blade was drawn from the scabbard strapped to her thigh. The long, slender blade shimmered, and the small pommel rested easily in the palm of her hand so she could thrust her full weight into skewering the executioner. The blade pierced Beraldus' chest, wide of his heart, but if she drove it deep, she would perforate a lung and incapacitate quickly. He let out a half-scream, half-grunt, and his hands clamped around Song's arm. She crashed into him, but he kept the mortal blade at bay. Colliding with Beraldus was like being struck by a carriage, and he threw her bodily to the floor. Her shoulder struck the chopping block. The thin blade skittered away across the flagstones. Stop right there, Collie shouted. I don't want to shoot you. Song wheezed, winded from her fall, and raised her hands. One didn't quite go as high as the other, prevented by a thrumming pain in her shoulder. Beraldus knelt over her, grabbing a fist of her shirt and shoving her down onto the block. Blood was streaming down his linen smock from the hole she had made in his chest. Pass me that, would you, Collie? The executioner held out a hand and Song's blade was deposited into it. Well, I'm not sure how you got this past our esteemed guardsmen, but I'm quite glad you did. A Marjoran wand, and a swanky one at that. It'll look lovely on my bench beside the heads. He held the delicate weapon like he was holding any old knife, as if it was meant to slice and not pierce. The pommel hung uselessly out of his grip, instead of tucked purposefully into his palm. With such inexperience with the foreign weapon, Song suspected she might be in for a more protracted death than the guardsman had. She gritted her teeth. Beraldus, stay your weapon! The justice clapped her gavel for three blunt retorts. Ease off, let me speak to the poor girl. Beraldus leant back a little, easing the wand's needle tip away from Song's throat. You're quite handy, aren't you? The justice grinned, exposing a golden canine on the upper right side of her mouth for the first time. Why didn't you say so? If Song hadn't got the executioner's knee lodged into her stomach, or been so thoroughly winded moments before, she still wouldn't have had any words to respond. Did you get that knife in here all on your own? And remove your shackles even under Collie's watchful eye? Though the justice's voice had always bore a sinister sweetness, somehow it was sweeter than ever. I think you might be more useful than you first appeared. Your sentence is mitigated to community service. Are you serious? Beraldus gasped between words, hot, heavy breath. A bitch just stabbed me in my nipple. Oh, don't be such a big baby, Beraldus. You're still in the land of the living, aren't you? The justice waved her gavel in a little shrug. I like this girl. She's got spunk by the bucket loads, and I think she'll do very well on our community repayment programme. How would you like that? The justice pointed the question at Song. What is it? She found herself struggling out. Beraldus's fist didn't alleviate any pressure from her. It means you have to work to pay off your debt to society. Let's say, the justice mused, 
A debt to the tune of 50,000 gold pieces. Fair? 50,000? How can that be fair? Spittle hissed between Song's teeth. Well, it's 50,000 or your head. Your choice. Song didn't imagine she could pay off 50,000 silvers in ten lifetimes, let alone gold. The proposal was tantamount to slavery, but the other alternative was death, and little hope lay down that path. At least a slave could dream on freedom, maybe one day get pardoned or escape. However unlikely that was, any chance better than none was worth taking. Beroldus let her push his fist away, and she took in a full breath. I'll take community service, 